Hey everyone, this is Ryan Wolt. Welcome to the Cheers North County podcast presented by the Coast News Group. When you get to the end of a year, especially one that's been as long and messed up and wild as this one, you start to look backwards. And it's hard for me to believe, but this show only started in April. My first Cheers North County podcast guest was Beth Demon. She's a super talented beer writer, talented writer just in general, and she's currently the host of the San Diego Brewers Guild weekly Instagram live TV show. Back in April, Beth was willing to be a guinea pig of sorts since I had never hosted a podcast before. I was learning how to record, how to edit, how to produce a show, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that if I got interesting people to chat with me, the content would at least be great, and Beth more than fit the bill. Back then, we talked a lot about the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic, how our local breweries might succeed in the face of it, and more than seven months later, her comments still seem applicable. Since that chat, Beth has been really busy. She's been writing some really impressive stuff, including a piece titled, The Time Is Now, Understanding the Origins of Beer's Inequity for GoodBeerHunting.com, which is essential reading for anyone who enjoys hoisting pints of beer and cares about racial equity. She also wrote an examination of the Brewers Association and their failing efforts to promote diversity and inclusion for vine pair, and just a ton of other stuff. You can find links to those columns in this show's notes, or head to BethDemon.com to see all of the latest stuff that she's been putting out. You will not regret it. While you are bookmarking her site and following her Instagram at The Delighted Bite, I'm going to take a moment to encourage you to spend an evening or two with one of our sponsors, the San Diego Botanical Gardens. This winter, they are putting on the Holiday Botanic Wonderland. It's an outdoor holiday lighting experience where you'll be able to safely stroll amidst festive holiday lightings in their entire 37-acre facility. It's a family-friendly event. There's festive displays of lighted animals, laser lighting, fire pits. They're illuminating their plant collection in ways you have definitely not experienced before, and they're even offering live music. There's going to be musicians roaming throughout the garden. The show will be running through December, and reservations and tickets are required. You can make your reservation, get your tickets at sdbgardens.org. They're expecting them to go quickly because they are limiting it so that everyone can stroll around safely and still stay socially distant from each other. It's definitely not something you are going to want to miss this holiday. And now it's time to revisit that first show with Beth Demon. Be sure to crack open a good beer for it. It's a good one. Today, our guest is local writer, Instagram Live show host, and self-proclaimed extrovert introvert, Beth Demon. Uh, did I pronounce that right, Beth? Uh, yes, it looks like demon, sounds like lemon. The most important stuff uh, right away, what are you drinking today? I, actually, I waited to crack it open. Here, hold on. I have a fresh can of Burning Beard Circle Hop, their San Diego Pale Ale. I just picked it up, I think, day before yesterday, so it should be nice and fresh. Sounds great. I'm actually drinking a Fort Point Beer Company Westphalia Nuremberg-inspired red ale. So it's a long wow. name, and it's my first It's my first ever taste of it. And uh, I have to admit, I cracked it open a few minutes before we got on this call just to settle my nerves. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm easy. You don't, need to, you don't need to be worried about me, but uh, it's always good to get a head start on I'm drinking, that's for sure. Absolutely. I feel uh, during the quarantine, there are no rules. All time is the same time. There are no rules. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I did, I did wait until, I tried to wait until after at least like 11 a.m., but that's just my own personal <laughs> rule. 
And rules are made to be broken, so anything goes. They certainly are. Um, I know you primarily as a beer writer, but with very minimal effort, I found out that you also write about a lot of other things. Coffee, social issues, community experiences. Uh, I saw articles about witches and horoscopes, road trips, diversity, sexuality, sometimes related to beer and food, sometimes not. Can you tell me a little bit more about kind of your journey to this point as a writer and a journalist? And what do you consider yourself? What, What title do you give yourself? writer first and foremost and like you said it's good to have a niche and I would say that covering beer is kind of my specialty specifically covering the culture of craft beer but freelancers gotta hustle so yeah I've, I've written about music parenting travel other food and drink type things really anything to kind of keep me working as much as I can you know that's a little bit more difficult now but my my background I have a degree actually in painting and printmaking so creative but certainly not a degree in journalism by any means but that kind of transformed into um, working in content marketing which I did for a few years in my mid-20s, and while I was doing that, one of my colleagues at the marketing agency I worked at who knew that I was food blogging at the time, I had actually done that for years and years, sent me a link that San Diego City Beat, our local alt-weekly, was looking for a new beer fight. So on a lark, I just thought, sure, I'll, I'll send over some stuff. I like beer a lot, and I like to think I'm a decent writer, and I dabbled already uh, with the thought of going full-time freelance writing when I transitioned out of marketing and got that column, and that was in June 2015. And then in March 2016, I left that marketing agency job to pursue full-time freelance writing and haven't really looked back. Uh, Well, you certainly put quite a bit out there. I had a whole afternoon of reading yesterday, so congratulations on that. One of the things that I I (laughs) read... Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, it, it's certainly, I think the easiest thing for any writer to do is not write. <laughs> and so uh, anytime someone is really oh, yeah. putting out a lot of work, that's that's impressive, not just for themselves, but, but for other people. Uh, I read your article in Good Beer Hunting, uh, where everybody knows your name a while ago when it came out. Uh, you delved into the community of mm-hmm. bars and breweries and the value of those social interactions. Obviously, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on those social experiences. But was there anything else that kind of inspired that article as you were going into it? Or or what, from your perspective, was that article about? Well, I think what kind of made me start thinking about that concept was just, I personally am, am a creature of routine. And being a parent, being a freelancer, you, you really have to create these routines for yourself to, to be able to get anything done. And when that established routine is taken away from you or changed in some way, it can be difficult to kind of find your footing. And I think that the craft beer community specifically relies so heavily on that concept of community that when it is taken away from us, in the way that it has been during COVID-19, it is hard to kind of find your place and, and, and redefine what that community is to you because you see this proliferation of, you know, digital bottle shares and virtual hangouts and happy hours and things like that. And it is phenomenal, but there is just really no substitute for walking into a place and that tangible interaction of people 
people, whether you know them, whether they're friends or strangers. You know, pubs have historically been very egalitarian meeting spaces, and now they're serving a very different purpose if they are open at all. And so it was a little bit of an abstract concept, and one of the things I wanted to avoid was talking about the loss of the ability to drink, because A, that's just not really a priority right now, and B, that's just not really the reality. I mean, if you want to drink, you can drink at home, and that's great, and I love drinking at home. I, you know, I would say my, my front porch is historically been my favorite place in the world to to drink a beer but it's more of that loss of place and I I like to think that I ended it on a little bit of a hopeful note but it is you know just adjusting to our new reality is challenging and I think you know the best part about it is also the worst part about it is we're all we're all in it together and we're all kind of experiencing this this loss so I think it does help knowing that it's a little bit universal, but it's also, yeah, it's also the worst part of it. So it's one of those things that you don't realize is a, is as important uh, to you until you can't have it. I may not have gone down the street right. to the pub every day, but the the ability to know that I could was a valuable tool that I didn't realize I needed, where I could sit down and the bartender would know me, uh, or I might meet somebody new and. My wife and I have traveled quite a bit, and so some of our best friends we've met in bars in different places in the country. You never quite know what will be the yeah. the inspiration, whether you have the same camera or they order a beer that you ask about or, you know, you like their shirt or something. And, and the next thing you know, 10 years have gone by and you still stay in touch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was wondering about your, your working as a writer, uh, even though there are certainly less opportunities for writing right now during the pandemic, and a lot of people are at home from work. Uh, not just writers, but obviously service industry and um, all over the country, people are out of work. Here in San Diego area, what are your expectations for the next so many months in the food and beverage industry? I mean, how do you anticipate this pandemic changes the trajectory of San Diego? What's going to separate the the places that are able to reopen versus the ones that won't? I think it's going to be difficult for San Diego, Considering that we're so heavily based in tourism and, and hospitality as a culture, um, for our just economic growth. So I think for beer specifically, we're going to see a little bit of, um, the struggles that were already kind of reflected in just the competitive landscape, thinking about how many breweries there already were. I think the, the really big guys who have the capital to ride out this pandemic are going to be able to maybe do a little bit better, um, than some other folks. And then I think the really, really small guys, the, you know, the hyper local breweries who already were working on, you know, shoestring budget and skeleton crew, I think they're going to be doing fairly well or have the best shot at success. I, I think it'll be the mid-sized ones who, who have difficulty. But like I was saying, I think that was already kind of what we had seen when you look at brewery growth and closure statistics, uh, both locally and nationwide. Over the last couple of years, you know, there was a huge boom for five straight years or, or whatever it was. And then it really kind of started to taper off. And it was those regional breweries that were having the most difficulty. So I think we're going to see that same type of kind of skewing the big guys and the little guys on both ends of the spectrum having the best chance at making it through this. But I also think the people who position themselves in off-premise are going to stand a much better chance because you're going to see these six packs or, or 24 packs or what have you in grocery stores, people like Second Chance or Coronado or Carl Strauss, I think they're going to do better than those breweries who've relied historically so 
selling tap room sales or local distribution to restaurants and bars because those have pretty much uh, vaporized. And when you look at the data of, you know, the past two months, off-premise has gone up something like over 400%. So anybody who who diversified their output into that, I think is going to have a better shot at making it through this. Has there been anybody that you've kind of noticed or been impressed with in their response to kind of this new normal as a brewery as far as making making the quick adjustment into delivery or into setting up pickup sites? Anyone that kind of stands out for you? Hmm. I think that there's a couple people who, who've done it right. I mean, they're not a brewery, but Tribute Pizza, I mean, holy cow, they, they did a hard left turn and I think they're kind of business as usual, which is great. And I know that they are supporting the local beer scene by offering quite a few cans and and other packaged beers to go with their pizzas. So hats off to them, for sure. I think any brewery who is still struggling to find their footing should look to them for for guidance. I think that the people who have started doing the, you know, expanded deliveries and things like that, like Virgin, uh, Burning Beard, Three Punks, I think they're going to do they're going to do fairly well. I don't really think anybody's doing a bad job, and even the people who have closed their doors temporarily. You look at, at a place like Bagby, and their letter to the community about why they chose to close versus pivot to to go sales or delivery completely valid, completely understandable, and the right choice for this business model. So, you know, I, I commend them for for being able to to do that, and hopefully they make it out as well. So, so I, I don't think that there's any, any right or wrong ways that people have been handling this. I've been impressed with how everybody has kind of coalesced together, and it seems like people are able to, to hang on. You know, the community has rallied, and you know, if this last, if shelter in place lasts for six more months, I think we'll be singing a different tune. But uh, I'm hoping that we've moved from a full-on rolling boil with 100 breweries opening seemingly every day to kind of a low simmer. But I'm hoping we can keep it going. And I think, yeah, the people I named have done um, a good job. And I'm sure I'm, I'm missing people, but there's just so many. There's so many people doing doing a great job, and I appreciate everybody who has uh, been flexible and uh, kept their doors kept their doors open. Yeah, there's never a, a good time to be going through a pandemic, but I I thought about it quite a bit this week. Just in that, if there was a good time, now feels like it is it. I am able to work from home, and I think a lot of people are able to work from home because of the internet. Yesterday, someone dropped a six pack of beer and a bottle of whiskey on my you know doorstep, and and that's just not something that would have happened Excellent. even you know five years ago. It would have been a much more well, difficult well, I time. Think, <laughs> mostly right. I think if we had a different president, it might be a slightly better situation. But just in terms of uh, <laughs> where we are at as a society, historically, in terms of having, yeah, yes, internet and Amazon Prime and, and all yeah. that, yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. I that's And that I don't mean to imply that it's a good time at all. I just, I certainly, it would be much better I, if we could go you back. Gotta, you got to look for the silver lining. <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. get at all. I mean, I, I think about the same thing. You know, my son is three years old and I'm like, this is actually kind of perfect because he's not old enough to feel yet like he's missing out on things, but he's not so young that I'm going stir crazy in the house with a newborn. I can kind of skate by and, and just explain that, oh, we can't go to the playground, but we can swing on the hammock swing and, and he's happy as a clam. So you got to find the wins where you can get them. And I, I agree. There's no system for a pandemic, but you know, the fact that we are still able to, you know, have Grubhub 
love delivered to us and you know local beer is still available i'm i'm grateful for that yeah absolutely my, my family lives in a small town my parents and extended family uh, smaller community anyways and they ju- they don't even have like other than like a local pizza place they're not getting food delivered you know they're not getting groceries delivered yet um, they're just kind of adjusting to that and, and being in a larger uh, metropolitan area we we were somewhat set up for that already even before what about you what are you working on how has this affected you what do you what do you what do you have in the hopper what should we be looking for coming out of out of your creative mind so obviously my workload has significantly and that's not just in part uh, due to the pandemic but also the AB5 legislation that took effect uh, January 1st that cut into my you know 2019 to 2020 expected income by 25% off the bat I would say that the pandemic has probably cut it to close to 90% I have very little work um, lined up for me and no consistent work. My columns in West Coaster and San Diego Magazine are on indefinite hiatus. But, you know, it, it, it's not all bad news because now, you know, without a preschool uh, to give me some time to work, even if I, even if none of my work had dried up, the amount of time that I have to spend is significantly reduced. So, so I have a couple pieces on tap that, you know, like you mentioned, that good beer hunting piece came out recently. And um, I actually had a nice piece come out today on craftbeer.com, a profile of the highest ranking woman in uh, the beer judge certification program, which I'm a part of as well. Sandy Cockerham from Indianapolis. So I also have a couple of national print magazine pieces slated to be published over the next couple of months, one of which is craft beer and brewing magazine, which will be kind of fun. But uh, for now, my, my main things, I'm actually working on some spirits coverage for BevNet, which is the media company that Brewbound is a part of. Um, I am still contributing to Good Beer Hunting. And my, my big kind of constant thing that I'm doing now is on behalf of the San Diego Brewers Guild, I'm doing a Instagram live happy hour every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. We've had a couple good guests on there. We've been doing it for, gosh, about six weeks now. You know, we're just checking in with people from different facets of San Diego beer. You know, we, we talked to Jill from Pizza Poor, Doug from Society, Stevo from Three Punks, Susie from Duckfoot, um, a whole bunch of people. And then I think this week we've got Jeff from Burning Beer, Cody from the Beer Night in San Diego podcast, and uh, a few others. So that's been fun, and it's been a way to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the beer, and a way to just check in with the community and, and see uh, see how we're all handling it. So I'm, I'm grateful for, for those opportunities, and I'll sort of take what I can get for now, that's for sure. That's good. How is that beer treating you that you opened up before? Oh, it's so good. It's 5.3%, which is perfect for, you know, like a mid-afternoon drink. And then right after this, it looks like my husband just set up the pop-up tent on our highway and my kid's water table is out. So oh, man. I'm going to take this take this beer party outside. And, that sounds and like you, a... But it's, it's treating me very well. That sounds like a great afternoon. Uh, I told my wife I was going to set the tent up in the living room because we would have gone on a camping trip this weekend normally. I immediately yeah. got vetoed. I'm I'm already ready for another beer, but Beth, uh, thanks for joining the show. Currently known as the Coast News presents the Cheers North County podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course, thank you for having me. I'm I'm humbled to be on here, and I hope I you know I hope I was a good guest. I don't know. <laughs> 
It is always fun to take a look back at where you came from. I am grateful for the guests like Beth, who really carried the show in the first few months while I was still figuring a lot of things out. I'm still figuring a lot of things out, but I have definitely gotten better at this whole podcasting thing. Be sure to follow Beth at The Delighted Bite on Instagram and check out BethDemon.com. Keep checking it. She's always putting out new work and her writing is phenomenal. The Cheers North County podcast is also looking forward. We have a special appearance from Beer Santa coming up and a New Year's Day show featuring an interview with Elle French, the woman behind Cosa Salvaje Tequila. Don't forget to make your reservation for the San Diego Botanical Gardens Botanic Wonderland Light Show. Get your tickets at sdbgarden.org because it is sure to be a great way to get out to celebrate the holidays with the family while being able to stay safe and socially distant. That's sdbgarden.org. That is all for this episode of the Cheers Podcast. If you enjoyed this show... If you've enjoyed any of our shows and you want to support our podcasting efforts or the independent journalism brought to you by The Coast News, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Just click the support button on our podcast homepage on anchor.fm or right on our homepage at thecoastnews.com. If you are listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify, please consider leaving a rating and review. It really helps people find a local show like this one. This episode of the Cheers North County podcast was produced and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. Jordan Ingram is my editor-in-chief. The Coast News associate publisher is Chris Kidd, and our publisher is Jim Kidd. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be well, stay healthy and sane, and keep living the dream. Cheers, everyone.